11. You know, Peter was asked by Jesus, do you love me? And Jesus asked him that three times, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter started getting annoyed. And I guess Jesus asked him three times because Peter had denied him three times. Peter had denied him three times. Before the cock crow, you will deny me. No way, but he denied. And so here we find him on this beach with the resurrected Christ going, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? I want to talk about love Today, I, I want to talk about love, I guess, from a biblical, well, hopefully from a biblical uh, uh, point of view, because there's been something, with all that's going on in the world, I, I've been thinking, what, what, what is love? What, 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 is, what is love? Love, what, what is it? Because I, I think it's a word that has, to be honest, I think it's a word that's lost its meaning. Uh, really, honestly, it, it's lost its it's a word that's bandied around a lot these days, but I think it's somewhat become somewhat diluted or somewhat ambiguous or watered down as to what it, it means. All you need is love, Master Chef New Zealand tells us. Love is all you need. And, you know, when I, when I saw that, that was their theme for, uh, for it, I, I, I started thinking, what's love got to do with it? I mean, it's a cooking show, right? It's a cooking show. It's about cooking. What's love got to? Yeah, I see some of you know that song. Yeah, go Tina Turner. But, but, but again, what's love got to do with it? Others, others are saying love is love. Well, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? For me, the true essence, for me, the true essence of what love is cannot be found. At least not for the believer. The true essence of what love is cannot be found in a song or a post or a 15-second clip or soundbite on social media where love is reduced to quips, cliches, and, and platitudes. I mean, I, I, I don't know where the world looks, but for the believer, for us as, for us as believers, that, that's not where we find the definition of what love is. It is not for the Christ follower, not for the disciple. To answer the question, what is love as believers, we must without hesitation, without hesitation, turn to the pages of Scripture and dig deep. We must allow the illuminating truth of God's holy word to saturate our hearts and minds for, for the Scriptures has much to say on love. Much. And a 16th century Christian thinker, William Penn, said, love is the hardest lesson in Christianity, but for that reason, it should be our most care to learn it. God is love, 1 John 4 verse 8 says. God is love. But what does that love look like? What does that love look like? I, I, I think, I think it looks like Jesus I mean, Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love, there's, no, there's nothing else like, like He said this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus said, said that, and, and, and we know truly Jesus did that. 
not only for his friends, but also for his enemies. We were enemies of God, yet while we were enemies of God, Christ loved us. No greater love. You know, over the last few weeks, I've spoken about our mission, our vision, our purpose as a church. And I've said our purpose as a church, it could be summed up in this, love God, love people. I, I've said we don't invent our, our purpose, we merely identify it, we discover it. We're in God's, God's Word, the Bible, one of our values at Connect Church. I said a few weeks ago is that we want to be Spirit-led. Another one of our values is we want to be Christ-centered. We want to be Christ-centered. In other words, what is important to Jesus should be important to us, or at least as a pastor, I would hope so. And so what did Jesus say about love? What, what, what did he say about living a life of love? And uh, when he said those things, who was he speaking to? Who was he speaking to when he said it as believers? What did he say is to be love's focus? What did he say is to be love's focus? Did he call believers to a higher standard or is it love is love and anything goes? What was he calling us to? How did Jesus demonstrate, live out love practically? How did he do that? In the gospel according to Mark, ascribe us Jesus and we've talked Maybe three times this year already on this scripture, but I think it's so important. We've got to, maybe we open our ears, the ears of our hearts and hear. And the gospel according to Mark, the scribe asked Jesus, Rabbi, which just means teacher, which commandment is the most important of all? What's the most important? Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love, everybody say love. You shall love, this is like the most important. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, not just some, all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Pretty much all of who you are, you should love, love him. Simple but not easy. And he said the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, there is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus said here, love for God and love for people is of paramount importance. It's so clear, we can see it. It's, it's, it's undeniable. This is love's focus. This is love's focus, at least, at least for the believer. At least for the one who is calling themselves a follower of Christ. And I say, even as I read that, I, I think it's so important for us as believers that we get the, the order right. That we get the order right. That there is, that we, we need to understand there is a divine order here. Number one, we love God first. We love neighbor second. And I want to say this, and please hear my heart. Till I'm just a pastor. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm trying to do my best as I learn and discover things in his word. But there is a divine order here. And I just want to say, I'm just speaking honestly, and I've seen this in, in my days, that when the church messes with that divine order, when it tries to make that which should be, number one, to be 
number two and number two to be number one. When it tries to do that, the church very quickly loses its way. Now, I'm not saying we, we, we shouldn't love our neighbor, and I'm not saying that that's not, not, not important. Of course it's important. That's why we do Food Bank Sunday. That's why we're, we're, we're saying, hey, let, let's bring food together. In fact, we're doing that in Tawa too, right? We're, we've talked to the Salvation Army around the food bank there. We want to do that too. It's so important. It's so important that we, 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 we do that. I love the fact that we're doing Sari Saturday, and that's coming up in a uh, few weeks. I, I think we've, if I remember rightly, it's something like 100 grand over the last 11 years. It's over 100 grand or something? Yeah, it's more than that. So over the last whatever years we've been doing it, over 100 grand we've been able to do it. And let's make this one the biggest ever. Come on, somebody, let's double what we're doing. I mean, we want to we, we wanna do that. In fact, this video was just sent to us this week uh, from um, the children's work there and and they're just saying hey man we're struggling prices have gone up and we're like here in New Zealand don't we know it don't we know it and 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 so they're like man can you help us out I love doing this and helping them a few weeks ago we were able to also load up a or help load up a truck and and uh, our friends uh, Michael and Natasha Turner some of you Michael's preached here and Natasha is from the Ukraine and and, and uh, they, they were saying, hey, we want to get a, a truck full of food uh, into the Ukraine to help. And so we're like, hey, we can do something uh, about that. And we say, gave some money. And that's the truck they loaded, uh, loaded up and have taken into, um, I think there's another photo after that. Um, uh, they've loaded up that truck and taken it into the Ukraine. And, and hopefully it's blessed some, uh, some people, people there. I mean, of course we're going to do that. But again, on that type of thing, that's a drop, just a drop in the bucket. I have a friend who I met in Israel. His name's Todd. And we were on the same bus together where he lives in America. We've kept touch. And, and he, he's done incredible things. I mean, he, he's, he's made on one weekend, one weekend, people, got about 1,000 volunteers, and he made one million meals for Ukraine. One million meals, got airplanes, everything, and trucks, and whatever, and hauled them over uh, uh, to, to Ukraine and started distributing them out. And if that, yeah, you know, you think you'd probably go then, well, yeah, hey, I've done my bit. No, he's doing another million meals. Uh, for, so, so again, there's cr- incredible things people are doing out there in the world. But we must remember the divine order when we talk about love. If you, if you make two more important than one, the church, even, even as believers, if we make two more important than, than one, we will lose our way. Number one, we love God first. Love neighbor second. If people are hungry, of course we need to feed them. Why? Why do we need to feed them? Because we love God first. And Jesus said, if I, I was hungry and you fed me. And so we, we understand because we love Jesus first. Of course we have to do something in response to that because that's what God does. But there's a divine order there. Our first priority. Because here, here's, here's the thing. Our first priority I mean, you can give physical bread, but our first priority is the church. I mean, there are organizations. Murray, Murray Eldridge, I don't know if you're here today, Murray, but lives across the road, but he runs the Wellington City Mission. And they give away tons and tons and tons of food, every incredible work that they're doing. But for, for the church, for the church, our first priority is not to give physical bread, but to give the bread of life. 
to tell people about the living water, that if someone would drink, they will never thirst again, that if they would eat of this bread, they would never. Ours is to tell them about the bread from heaven. Come on, somebody, I need to hear an amen. That is our first priority, and the church should never lose sight, sight of that. I was listening to an old-time preacher. I, 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 yeah, you know, this, how many remember 78s? How many know what a 78 is? You know what I said? Thank you. I can see we're all uh, aging ourselves. Some of you don't want to put your hand up and acknowledge that you. A 78 is an old record, and you used to play them. Like, it's like, this is that old uh, style of preacher. And here's, he, he was just talking uh, 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 about the prodigal son. And I just happened to catch a snippet of it. And he, and, and he said this, and I was like, it was like, boom, just whoa. He said this, I, he said, if someone had first given the prodigal son some bread and soup, he may have never returned to the father. Well, Sam, drop the mic. It's true, if someone had given the prodigal son bread, if that hunger wasn't there, if someone had tried, he may have never returned to the fire. Our first job as a church, our priority is the bread of life. Come on. It's the living water. That's what we're here. That's what we want to proclaim. That's first. Jesus made it so clear. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus was saying, as you seek him first, all other needs, all, other, all the other stuff that needs to be taken care of, God will not neglect. And can I say this? Even if he did, he's still first. Because I want to tell you, sometimes in life, what we need is not what we need. What we think we need is not what we need. And so sometimes he might not do that which you think he was going to do. But I want to tell you, even if he doesn't do it, he's still first. That's a good place to say thank you, Jesus. Yes, you're still first. Jesus said, love God first, seek his kingdom first. And, and, and can, I, can I just say this? And to Jesus, love, love was not some sentimental, wishy-washy thing. He was a first century Jew. In the gospel, according to Matthew, Jesus goes on to say this about the two commandments. We've talked about it when we went through our series on the Bible, Matthew 22, verse 40. You know, on these two commandments, speaking about these two great, loving God, loving people, loving your neighbor, on these two commandments, the most important thing, hang all the law and the prophets. You know, when people say, Jesus, you know, never said anything about X. You know, Jesus never said anything about Y. Jesus never said anything about this. Jesus never said anything about that. Please know and understand. When Jesus said on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets, what was he doing? What was he referring to? I'll tell you, he was referring to the Old Testament. He was refer referring to that which was already written. He was a first century Jew. That was his mindset. That when he said all the law, everything, hang, all these commandments, he was referring to this. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit passionate. better than being boring. I'm just, uh, yeah, he was just talking about this. So I, 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 I feel this. What was he referring? Jesus in that moment was simply acknowledging the divine authority 
of God's Word, the Old Testament, the Torah, the Prophets, the Psalms. Remember, the Old Testament is the only book, there was no New Testament. The Old Testament is the only book Jesus ever quoted. In fact, he said this in Matthew 5, verse 17, do not think. No, we don't need the Old Testament. No, no, do not think. No, we don't need the Old No, no, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And those two commandments, love God, love your neighbor, love people, Jesus is acknowledging and affirming. Remember, he's a Jewish man. He was a Jew. He is affirming the moral law. He was affirming things like the Ten Commandments. Jesus was saying, I'm good with those. I'm good with those. Are we? Turn to your neighbor and say, let's take a look. Let's do a refresher. I mean, when was the last time we looked at the Ten Commandments? If, we, if I was to say to you, I mean, even me, uh, what, what's the order? If I, say, I mean, I've got it here, obviously. But if you were to catch me randomly out, can we even say, do we even know what those are? Because what Jesus was saying when, when he was saying, love God, love people, it was encompassing all of these things. Let's do a refresher. If you have been around the Bible for a while, you will know that there was two in Hebrew tradition, there's two tablets of stone. In Hebrew tradition, five commandments are written on each tablet. On the first tablet, the first commandments are about our duties to God. It's talking about how we should love God, how we should love God. The second tablet, the remaining commandments have to do with loving each other, loving neighbors. The first tablet is talking about our vertical relationship. It's talking about how we, God, the first five commandments are talking about how we are to relate, or how God desires that we relate to Him. That's the first five. The, 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 second, the second one is the horizontal. It's how we're to relate. The second five are on the second tablet are about how we relate horizontally to one, one another. So let's look at the first five. Not in their entirety. You can do that in your own time. There's a lot in them. But Exodus 20, verse 1, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Friends, aren't you thankful that you've been brought out of the house of slavery? And then he says this, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. What's he saying here? Simply this. I'm number one, I am first. <laughs> number two, he says you shall not make for yourself a carved image or an idol of, or any likeness of anything, anything. Anything in heaven above, in the earth below, on the waters beneath, don't make an idol of those. Don't make an image of anything. And, and it goes on to say, because I'm a jealous God. I said, I'm stopping so immature. No, no, you've got to understand what he says, I'm a jealous God. I understand it's not like some kiddie thing. When he says, I'm a jealous God, it's because we are his. We belong to him. In fact, in the New Testament, we're called the bride of Christ. That's why sometimes when God speaks of his people, he calls them an adulterous people. Why? Because they've run after other gods. They've run after other things. And he's like, you're mine. You're my bride. You're my, you're my passion. My, my, my banner over you is love. And so God's heart for us when he says, I'm a, I'm a jealous God, it's because we belong to him. We're his. We're the sheep of his pasture. We're formed and fashioned by him. He knit us together in our mother's womb. That's why he's jealous. Number three, 
shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless. Oh, it's a lovely reading on a Sunday morning. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. Number four, I'm going to preach on this sometime later. There's so much to be said on number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't let your donkey do any work on that day. And number five is always interesting to me. Number five, honor your father and mother so that it may go well in the land that all your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Why is this interesting to me? It's interesting because remember, I said the commandments, five commandments are to do, the first five are to do with loving God. Why is honoring your father and mother on the first tablet? Because at face value, when you seem to look at it, it looks like it's more horizontal. It's about loving, loving others. It's about the why in Hebrew tradition, has that been placed on the first tablet? Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. I want to read a quote from Jewish text that helps you understand why that is on the first tablet. It says this, the rabbis teach, and I'm just quoting, I'm just reading. It's from Judaism 101. The rabbis teach that our parents are our creators and stand in relation to us akin to the relationship to the divine. To the divine. Throughout the Jewish liturgy, the Creator is referred to as our Father and our King. God Himself took the name Father. Disrespect. This is from Judaism 101. Disrespect. This is what they believe. This is how they think. This is their process. Disrespect to our biological creators is not merely an affront to them. It is also an insult to the Creator of the universe. It's like, ouch. Accordingly, honor of father and mother is included on the tablet of duties to God. In other words, what's it saying here? In other words, ultimately, all traces, life, all traces itself back to God. All life traces itself back to God, the ultimate giver of life. Without a father or mother, you and I wouldn't be here. I would not and could not exist. They gave me life. Which leads me to commandment number six on the second tablet. You shall not murder. Life ultimately comes from God. That is why life is sacred. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. I wish the Ram Raiders knew this. I don't know what they're being taught in their schools, these, but it would have been nice to have that in the school. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Witness. You shall not bear false witness. Don't lie. Number 10, you shall not covet. You shall not covet that cool car that's out there in the car park that so-and-so has. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet what someone else has. You just don't do that. I'm reminding you today that we're talking about love. What is love? It's not loving to steal. It's not loving to covet. 
We're talking about what is love from a biblical sense. It's not just not that simple, people. When Jesus said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, love your neighbor, neighbor, Jesus didn't, understand even there, Jesus didn't make that up. He was even quoting from the Old Testament there. When Jesus said on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets, we need to know as disciples, as followers of Christ, we need to, to, to understand as disciples, we need to know what loving God and loving people looks like. If he said all the commandments, hang on, he said we need to know what loving God and loving people looks like. We need to understand that loving God and loving people in its fullness encompasses all that is written in this book. And the fact is, if you've been around church for a while, you'll, you'll know that Jesus didn't just affirm the Old Testament. He took it up a notch. He really did. You know, I read that bit out before, verse 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Then Jesus goes on to say, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Then he says this, and it's radical. He says, therefore, this is around the Sermon of the Mount. He's just a whole lot of people have gathered. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes, Oh, when I say big deal. No, no. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, I want to be on the right side of that, that equation. I hope you do too. When I said he takes it up or not, he, not, he does it multiple times, even in that sermon. It's worth a read. He does it over and over again. Let me just give you two. Matthew 5, 21, you have heard it, that it was said to those of all, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you, and here he goes, he takes it up a notch. We thought, hey man, I just can just follow. It just gets, no, no, Jesus takes it up a notch. He said, it's not just murder. He's like, you get angry with your brother? It's like next level. Verse 27, Matthew 5, verse 27, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, here he goes, he's gonna take it up a notch, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already, ouch, committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm glad that's not a problem in this service. But I will tell you in the other services, it is a major issue. <laughs> and you know what I'm gonna say in the other services, don't you? I mean, who hasn't done that? See, something about the law makes us aware of our need for God. Oh, my God. You know, I might look so pretty on the outside, but my God, you should see what goes on on the inside. And I'm just a pastor. When I read this, it makes us aware of my need for God and how far short I fall and how much need I am to be saved Friends, if we don't, he's our savior. He saves us from what? He saves us from our sin. We should stop mucking around. Sorry. I'm not really. I'm just saying that like it is. The Jews, when, when Jesus preached, you see, the Jews were so focused. I think there should be a keyboard here. I think I've already hit zero on there. So yeah, 
I know it was that good, right, uh, Antoinette? Uh, you forgot, yeah. <laughs> Couple more minutes. You know, when Jesus did that, Jews, of course, were so focused on their outward appearance. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll never do that. Listen, Jesus said, and he reminded them, I think it's in John chapter 15, it's not what goes into you, it's what comes out of you. That's the problem. Jesus messed them up. And I want to tell you, as we get into his word, Jesus is going to mess you up too. He'll mess you up. He'll mess up your preconceived ideas, your preconceived notions, your pre... He'll mess up even what you think. When you get into his way, he will mess up even what you think love should be like. He'll mess up what you think about love and what it truly is. I listened to a clip this week. It just came up and I, it caught my attention by a guy named Francis Chan. He's a well-known speaker. He was speaking at the Passion Conference to so about 50,000 young people. Huge, huge stand, like Eden Park kind of stadium. And it happened, I think, just this week. But he, but he said this specifically to young people. And I want you to hear this today. I mean, it's true to all of us, but, to, but certainly to this generation. Here's, here's what he said to the young people. He said, he said this, and I'm just quoting. He said, one of the most destructive practices of your generation is you value your own thoughts too much. And it's killing you. It's killing you. When God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. When he says, my ways are not your ways. When he says, my thoughts, my ways are higher than yours. And you want to look inside and you want to tell everyone else what you, you've been thinking and what you've been feeling rather than opening up and valuing the word of God and saying, no matter what I'm going through, I understand no matter what I'm thinking, no matter what I'm feeling, I know that your way, your truth, your, what you speak in this word is higher than my wisdom than what I know. Well, I feel, and I think this is okay, and I feel, no, 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 I, I, you're, his ways are higher, better, wiser, smarter. I, I read that scripture in First Corinthians, I just added this on, on yesterday, but it says this, take every thought captive, you not, Take every thought captive and obey Christ. When we use that scripture, we often think about bad thoughts, bad things. It doesn't say bad things. It says every thought. Oh, well, I think we should all do like this. I wish, you know, I, you know the Bible should really say, no, 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 no. Take, take every thought, every thought. And go, does that, does that thought line up with this word? Does that behavior line up with this word? Does that choice that I want to make line up with this word? Because his ways are higher, smarter. In fact, that scripture in its fullness says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. There's so many lofty opinions out there. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and every thought, and take every thought captive, every thought. And sometimes we just say, oh, it's not big. No, no, take that thought captive. Does that bring us into alignment with the Word of God? Do my thoughts about love line up with His? His ways, His thoughts are higher. 
So what did Jesus say about love? How did he demonstrate and practice? And how did he live out loves? How, how did the apostles in their lives and writings interpret how Jesus lived out and what he said about love? How did they interpret it? And what can we learn in regards to how we should live out and demonstrate love in our lives from that? Time's run out, obviously. So part two, we're gonna dig a little bit deeper next time I speak. But what's important, I'm just saying what's important to Jesus should be important to us. Well-known 19th century revivalist Vance Havner said this, the church has no greater need today than to fall in love with Jesus all over again. John's Gospel, chapter 21, three times Jesus asked, do you love me? Do you love me? I'm asking that today. He is asking that today. Do you love me? Truth is, only you can answer that question. And I'm just saying today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Surrender. We sang the song, this is my desire. Lord, I give you my heart in the first service. I give you my soul. Give him your heart. Give him your soul. Stop holding back. Allow Christ in you, the hope of glory, to do his work. As we hear of the commandments, we'll become aware of how far short we've become. But we thank you today, Jesus, that we don't have to reach up, that Christ reached down and made a way where there seems to be no way we say thank you. We thank you. Surrender to him. Give your life to him. In Jesus' name. Would you stand? Put your hands out like this that I might bless you. You know, what I've just preached to you is how to live your best life now. I'm just telling you. Repent and turn to Christ. Stop trying to do your own way. Anyway, enough preaching. Get on to the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And everybody said, amen. If you need